back or welcome in. Or just welcome. Or just welcome, as Mikey says. Matthew and Mikey, ESPN Sports Radio 1300. And uh, I've been waiting for this all day. Me too. I'm always honored to have this. I consider him a friend. I consider him one of the great, iconic broadcasters, writers. Uh, he's, After all, he is in the uh, Kentucky Journalism Hall of Fame. Now, again, because I can't remember, I know it's emeritus. What was oh, yeah. I, I call him the... the uh, uh, Chairman emeritus, Chairman emeritus of the Big Blue Nation. Correct. And we're talking I about... I hate to say that emeritus sounds like he's retired, no, it, but... It, I, it just means that it, that's a that carries weight a great honor. to it. It is. Oscar Combs is who we're talking about, of course. Hi, Oscar. How are you? Uh, how are you guys tonight? We're that's great. Good to hear from you, Oscar. It's been a while since you've been on uh, with us. It's been a while, but I always enjoy getting together with you guys. Well, we appreciate that, but uh, just uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking before we went off, and we neglect to say this. Uh, we were saying, I, I said, I really miss Ira, who was a big part of our show. He came on every week, sometimes twice a week, for a lot of years there. And uh, I just, when we said we were having you on, we just, Matthew and I both said, well, we sure miss Ira. I know you do as well. Yeah, we all do. Yes, we do. It's uh, been a couple years, but, uh, you know, life must go on. That's true. Absolutely. That's true. Um, anyway, Oscar, I wanted to, first off, we want to talk about Babe Pirelli and and uh, Jerry Bird, but I do want to bring up something that just came out. The uh, the Hall of Fame, with the nom- or the, the people that are going in were just announced, and I want to get your take on them. Well, I can give you a minute. I happen to be one of the voting members on the UK <laughs> Athletic Hall of Fame and have been uh, privileged to be part of that since they started back in, I think it was 2005. And it's a very, very difficult job. Uh, I always leave there with a list of about at least 15 to 20 people that I think should have been on before we even met. Uh, but uh, very proud of this class here and uh, – particularly my good friend uh, Ralph Hacker, mm-hmm. who uh, I think has did one of the great jobs here that a lot of people did not appreciate only because seldom does anyone appreciate the job of a person who follows a legend. Right. And, of course, that was Kaywood Ledford. But he meant so much more to Kentucky athletics than just broadcasting, which he did a great job. But he and uh, Ralph Gabbard, the late Ralph Gabbard, I should say, and uh, Jim Host uh, formulated the early uh, multimedia uh, deals with UK. They were the first ones to start, I shouldn't say the first, the second ones, to start a weekly coach's radio show. Hmm. Oh, is that right? And, uh, they, yes, and they got the idea from uh, Barry Switzer in Oklahoma. And uh, they perfected that and turned it into just a radio show and then a TV show. Uh, but the radio shows, TVs have been around a lot longer than that. But they created the first radio show. And then they put together the UK radio network and the UK television network. And uh, in those early days, very few schools got any money out of radio and TV. But Kentucky made a lot from the get-go. Uh, wouldn't be that much by today's standard, but... You know, a couple million dollars back in the late 60s, early 70s was yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. And anytime they needed something done, uh, UK, as far as helping out a new coach or something like that, 
they had connections with the banks and stuff and give them, you know, a big deal with a coach sometimes. It'd come down to which school's going to help you buy a house. And that would come in to maybe getting a guy a 2% loan when the going rate was 7 or 8%. Hmm. But they were involved in a lot of a lot of that work, too. Well, Ralph Hacker, you're right about that. In fact, I know when I was a kid, I was working at the Campbell House as a desk clerk, and Ralph Carlisle came in. And somebody asked him, said, Ralph, why don't you, Rupp's going to retire, why don't you go over there and, and uh, try to get that job from Rupp? And I remember him saying, I don't want to follow Rupp. I want to be the man that follows Rupp. And that's kind of what happened yeah. with Ralph Hacker. Yes, it was. And, and of course, Ralph and, and Caywood were the best of friends. And uh, when I first met Ralph Hacker, uh, he was just out of school, Eastern Kentucky. He loves Eastern and UK, too. But Eastern's his alma mater, which he should be. And uh, he was just working at WVOK for the late Garvis Kincaid. And he was doing the freshman games at the time I met him, which was around 60, I want to say 65, 66, 67. And he would call the freshman game, then he would come down and sit in the end zone with the rest of the media uh, after the game when the varsity started. So my seat was next to his for several years in the late 60s when I was still in Hazard. And so we got to be very, very good friends, and he was a tremendous uh, booster of mine when I started to cast Paws in 76. So uh, old Ralph a lot, and I'm just so very happy that He's getting this honor now. Yeah, and me too as well. <clears throat> you know, you started one of the very first fan pages. I don't know what you'd call that, fan website, fan magazines in the country. Well, there was no internet then, so there was no Right, website. no website, first, right. It was the first magazine, mm-hmm. and we were the first one. Uh, the second one of all places, Mississippi State. In fact, five of the first six were in the southeast conference and they fought along after we started in yeah. 76 and then shortly thereafter uh michigan ohio state and notre dame come along and uh those got real big real quickly now when you started this oscar i don't think i've ever asked you this did you have difficulty in selling advertisement which we know advertisement is what makes everything go uh, was that a difficult sale or was it just automatically you found something that you knew was a vacuum that just had to be filled well i'll tell you uh i didn't buy into that theory uh fortunately the 10 years before i came to election to start the cat's Falls, i was in the weekly newspaper business in hazard mm-hmm. and of course probably 85 percent of our revenue came from advertising and uh, if the economy got a little bit squeaky in time or two, it could be really tough. So when I come to Lexington, my uh, my game plan was this. I'm not going to depend on any advertising because most of my readers are not going to be in Lexington. They're going to be out of the state and out of state. Mm-hmm. So what good would it do, say, the Springs Inn to advertise to people that's 200 miles away? So every year in my budget, in advertising for, for revenue, I put zero. <laughs> and then I figured out what it would cost to produce the paper and what kind of profit I wanted and how much I would have to charge to meet that with an estimated circulation. And I came up with a figure, $10 an issue. And, uh, you know, we lost money the first uh, two years. We broke even a third. And the fourth, we made a little, and the fifth, it took off. And in small business models today, people in the industry will tell you, 
if you think you're going to make money in less than five years, you know, you're whistling something that you're not <laughs> going to eat very well. Right. <laughs> and and after we went through five years, I was like, wow, I should have believed them to start with. But people still don't believe that today. But normally, you don't know where your failure or success until after five years. And if you don't have enough startup money, you may chuck it in after two years and then and not know that you were really well on your way to success because mm. you didn't have enough money to hold you over. So that's how we did it. Uh, advertising came along, but advertising never amounted to more than 15% of our revenue. Unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It is. We're, uh, speaking well, the, the, deal was, the deal was is this. You know, advertisers can come and go. But I, my thought was is I'm going to make a publication so good that people will have no problem in writing out a check for the amount I need. So if if unless I really mess up bad, I'm not going to lose 10 or 15% of my subscribers in but if the economy went bad or the team got real bad overnight, I could lose those advertisers overnight yeah. and I'm out of business. Speaking with Oscar Combs, you can follow him on Twitter at Wildcat News and his 38,000 followers. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. <laughs> I didn't mean to really uh, talk about this, Oscar, but it is fascinating. It is. When you started the Cat's Paws, and of course it was uh, uh, centric to UK sports, no doubt about it. Did uh, you have any problems with UK when you told them what you were going to do? <laughs> well, I knew you were going to go to two areas sooner or later. One was going to be UK, and the other was going to be the traditional media yeah. that I was sort of hoarding in on. And the answer is yes and yes. Uh, the, the, the reaction at UK was lukewarm, so we're going to take a wait-and-see attitude. Joe B. Hall was the one who really embraced it more than anybody. And he was the one that I thought might be the least one I count on because his first year at Kentucky, um, late in the season, I wrote a really, really nasty column on him in the Hazard paper when I was there. And uh, looking back at it, it was sort of my immature youth going through. You know, every young writer, you know, everybody to talk about what he wrote and. I wrote something after a game between Kentucky and Tennessee, which both teams played poorly. And uh, Ray Mears was at Tennessee at the time. And I said, you know, I said, I'll just get one big, long, white towel and stretch it from Knoxville to Lexington and let Joe B. and Ray cry on each end of it till they meet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, now, Fran Kersey, I know because he was friends with people in Hanson, and I thought he would really be for it. Cliff, I didn't know. And so when it came time to start it, Percy first said, now, I want to know. And by this time, you know, he had a few problems in 75. You remember that year? Yeah. He said, are you going to let us read the articles for to go in? And I said, well, of course not. And he said, well, I'm not for it if we can't read the articles first. And I said, well, then maybe we won't do it. But uh, no, you're not going to read any articles. And he said, but, you know, you could run the program. I said, well, listen here, I'm putting up money to start this thing. If I'm going to put money up to start, the last thing I want to do is lose the money I'm putting up. And if you have a terrible program here, guess what? I'm going to lose money, and I'm probably going to close. So it's, uh, you know, it's to my benefit. Everybody plays well and has a great uh, uh, season each year. And uh, so anyway, I met with him. I met with Joe. So I guess the split of the line is going to be how does Cliff Hagen react? And Never forget, because I had my meeting with all three of these right after the 76th NIT that I attended in New York. 
And Cliff was, well, you know, uh, I, I, I see Lord Gooden this, you know, and, and this and that. So when I left his office, he was sort of on the proverbial rail. And he was probably going to fall whichever way it looked like six months later. So we started, and, uh, and we got through it that first year. Uh, and happened to beat the right time. In 75, they were coming off, uh, in 76, I mean, they were coming off that disastrous 75 football season. Right. When, you know, they had to murder and everything. And the 76 season, they had won the NIT. But, you know, NIT didn't cut it even then with UK fans that much. But in my first four year, uh, they ended up going uh, seven four, ended up being eight and three in the Peach Bowl championship, and the lead eight in basketball on loss to Carolina up in uh, College Park, Maryland. Right. And then the second year, they go ten and one in football, and they win a national championship <laughs> in basketball. So I mean, you, if you want to say that I. Uh, Hit it at the right time. I certainly did. Well, I did. I'm glad you did it. Uh, and, and can you imagine what's happening now with the way with this uh, the inter, the explosion of the internet and social media and everything like that? And let me tell you, to your credit, you have danced right into that, and you are all over it right now. Well, I, I was very fortunate that my time came when it did. I wouldn't want to jump into this fray with a new deal today there's just so much competition yeah and there's so much there's so much free stuff out there and you know uh everybody's the same way if you can get something free rather than paying for it what are you going to do yeah and 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 you know i'm a little bit part of this too but uh uh people that just wants to do this as sort of a part-time hobby whatever i mean it doesn't take any money to get a website get on there and start chucking it right get you a blog Yeah. yeah When I started out, uh, you know, you'd have to you'd have to have one hundred fifty thousand dollars start it. Well, you can start it for, you know, two or three hundred dollars literally now. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe six hundred with an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we uh, this was it's always fascinating to talk to you about anything, Oscar. We uh, I was very fortunate. This was my thirty second year of playing in the children's charity golf classic. <laughs> And over the last few years, uh, quite a while, I got to know Babe Perilli. And we lost, I mean, obviously a great athlete and a very important part of Kentucky history, but truly one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And I've waited all day just to be able to hear you talk about Babe. You just have to use one word with Babe. And it's a four-letter word, C-L-A-S-S. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I did not get to see him play. Uh, I was born in '44, so I, my days started coming around around '53, '54 with the Hagen and Ramsey in mm-hmm. But I did get to go back and watch a lot of film and follow him in the pros. And then, you know, by the time I got to the late '60s, uh, thanks to my old friend, rest his soul, Russell Wright, I started getting interested in the history of Kentucky football and basketball. And we would spend, you know, hours and hours, and he'd film me on this and film me on that, and he'd say, do you know Cookie Cromeyer? No. Well, he was here in 55, 56. And then he would go down to all the way back, and, you know, he said, you know who Ruff replaced? And I said, no. And he said, Johnny Meyer. I said, oh. He said, <laughs> you know why Meyer uh, left Kentucky? And I said, no. And he said, 
president refused to raise his salary $100 a year <laughs> after he just won back-to-back SEC titles. Holy cow. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, you want to know what else? He came back into the league a few years later, and he beat Rupp for two titles. And so I just got really infatuated with the history of it. And when Russell retired, he actually wrote a column for me for about four and a half, five years. And then he continued writing it for the cast balls after I'd left there. And uh, so I, I, I really got infatuated with the history of it. And then, to me, the most fascinating of all, about the era we're talking about right now, Bear Bryant and Rupp and Babe Pirelli, is the fact that in the mid to late 40s, so many of these players were war veterans. Yeah. And so many of these players, I mean, you know, the, the Cliff Barker story, I, I just can't go a, a week without talking about Cliff Barker of the Fabulous Five. I mean, he comes back to UK and he's 27 years old. And he plays on that Fabulous Five team. Uh, smokes, even when Rupp sees him not in on the court, but in all it. And, you know, and, he, and, and does Rupp say anything to him? Hey, what do I say to a 27-year-old man who was shot down in Germany and was a prisoner of war for 14 months? Wow. Now, you know, you can talk to anybody around Kentucky, around most people around, and they say, Rip, did that happen? I didn't know that. I, you know, I, I had, did know that mm-hmm. because I, I did know Cliff Barker a little bit. But, uh, uh, my gosh, so I never thought of it that way, though. What are you going to say to a guy that's a Nothing. 20 cent? You can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and if you guys have never had on, if you want to have somebody on someday, this guy, he, he runs around and plays golf like he's a 30-year-old. And he, 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 I think he's 85 or 86 years guy named Humsey Yesson. Oh, yeah, I know who now, he is. He's from Harlan. Now, if that's a Harlan name, then, you know, I've <laughs> got to go back and learn and see what matters. But his <laughs> old family came from the old country and went to Harlan. He grew up and played ball with Wawa Jones. And if you want somebody to give you history and stories on Rupp and, and uh, Bear Bryant, there's your source. Okay. Wow. Well, well uh, back to Babe Pirelli, though. You know, we were talking about it here, almost Oscar, and I, I don't know that you can't say anything definitively, but I think Babe Pirelli may be the greatest Kentucky football player of all time. Uh, boy, that, it's, certainly, it's certainly in the debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I can't think of another one right now that I would choose over him, but I'm a little bit skeptical to you know, place that final point there because there's still a lot of players that I don't know a whole lot about. Right. I mean, you know, ever every once in a while, I read, wow, I didn't know this, or this guy really did. And, you know, you can't compare the records and the statistics of these guys with today's. Right. You can't even compare them two decades apart, let alone six decades apart. But what he accomplished, I mean, we're talking about what Babe accomplished in those three New Year's Day bowls. You know, I, I, I doubt that any of us will ever see that duplicated by a Kentucky football team again. You know, one, and that was the yeah, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, and Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Um, as I got to know him through, <clears throat> excuse me, through the, the golf tournament, um, I said before, and it sounds a little weird, and it it's happened today, especially because Babe has passed, but... 
so many people who never even knew who he was now know about him because of all the articles, national stories. Uh, Sports Center had a thing on him this morning. And that makes me happy because he so many people didn't know about him. And of course, being growing up in New York, I remember him during in 69 being the backup to Joe Namath and the Jets Super Bowl win. And but people here, most people really didn't know who he was. Well, that's the neat thing about it, and you're right. Uh, very few people, even nationally people, that knew all about him with the Patriots and in the pros, mm-hmm. didn't really know anything about him from his days at Kentucky. And, of course, like you said, that includes a lot of the Kentucky. So, actually, Kentucky has gotten a lot of love around the country. Oh, this guy played at Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy was in three New Year's Day bowls in a <laughs> row? Oh, he played for Bear Bryant? He <laughs> yeah. was All-American at Kentucky? And then I, I was listening to a radio clip uh, yesterday from, can't remember who it was, but they were interviewing Joe Namath um, oh, some time ago, but years after that famous Super Bowl game. And they were asking Joe, you know, did he pattern his style? Did he really look up to Johnny Unitas? And he said, no, no. He says, I looked up to Babe Pirelli. Mm-hmm. He grew up 18 miles from where I grew up. He said, I would go into town and in the in the in the barbershops there was pictures of Babe Pirelli. He said that was my eye. And I thought, wow, I hadn't heard that story either. I just got chills, Oscar. <laughs> I did. That's very cool. Uh it, let's move on just quickly here. You know, when I was a little kid, I remember my grandfather and uncle used to bring me to the old Coliseum, and one of the first players that I ever remember was Jerry Bird uh, playing on because I was a little guy, you know. I, I didn't know who they were, and I don't remember seeing him. But I always remember Jerry Bird because they'd always talk about the lore of the Bird brothers that came out of Corbin. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of people today of the that are around now don't know who the Birds were, and I think it's well remembering them. It certainly is, and, and I grew up not too far from Corbin. It was as a crow flies, it was very short distance, but by highway, it was a couple of hours in Hazard. Yeah. And I can remember Hazard used to play Corbin during those days, and that was a fierce football rivalry. Not a basketball rivalry. They didn't even play each other, but football, that was big time. And I can always remember the, the Bird family as it grew on, and Jerry was the first one. Uh, I really fell in love with Roger Bird, who played in the mid-60s. And I'll tell you a little quick story about that family. Is I was at the SEC tournament about, oh, I want to say, five or six years ago. And I was walking from the hotel over to the arena, and this lady in man comes up, and she said, you're Mr. Combs, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm Oscar Combs, but I'm not Mr. Combs. <laughs> and she, liked, she said, well, son, I'm from the Bird family. I said, the Bird family? She said, yeah, from Corbin. I'm the, si- I'm the sister Roger, Jerry, uh, Billy, and Calvin. I said, oh. She said, yes. Yeah. said, we've been big U.K. basketball fans. And, you know, we have never missed an SEC tournament since they restarted in 1979. said, we take our one-week vacation every year, and we come to the city on Monday morning, and we don't leave until Sunday. said, that is our vacation. Wow. And I wow, you know. And of course, those birds have been gone for some time, but that was still instilled in their in their family tradition. And I noticed uh, Jerry's uh, son, 
uh, yesterday was talking about how proud that jury was of UK. He kept saying, you know, don't ever lose your love for UK. They do things the right way. Wow. And the reason I say that is his only son, Steve, uh, the family won him to continue the tradition in the worst way at Kentucky. He uh, played uh, football in Corbin, and I want to say around 78 or 79, he was wanting to come to Kentucky, and Frank Kersey wouldn't recruit him. Didn't think that, I guess, that he was good enough. So he ended up going to Eastern, made the All-American at Eastern, and played in the NFL for a few years and still coaches today. I think it's at South Carolina State. But anyway, for him to make that comment about how classy UK was and how that they always did things the right way after his dream was sort of cut short tells me all I want to know about the Bird family and their character. Mm. Well, when I saw this over the weekend, and mainly from you is where I got most of my information, uh, once again at Wildcat News, <laughs> uh, but uh, when I saw that we lost Babe Pirelli and then, the, uh, or not Roger, uh, Jerry Bird, I thought, well, this is kind of a bad weekend for uh, UK sports, and I thought, who better than the great Oscar Combs to come on and talk about it, and I appreciate you joining us. Well, it's always a pleasure for me, and... Uh always enjoy talking about UK and talking with good guys like you and Matthews always uh, makes me uh, have a little bright spot for the rest of the evening. Thanks, Oscar. We appreciate it. We're going to talk to you soon. Oh, by the way, well, one more thing, too. I, you yes. do, you are doing something new. Tell us a, about what you're doing with the uh, – you told me all about it at a football game, and to be quite honest with you, I forgot all about it, Oscar. But to explain to the people what you're doing now. Well, uh, we, we've taken a little summer hiatus here for up uh, for about another month. But the website, oscarcombs.com. And we'll, we have, uh, I do a podcast with former UK players. We've done about 25, 26 of them mm. so far. You can go to oscarcombs.com, click on the podcast. It'll list them all. You can listen to them all. And I mean to tell you, I have never enjoyed anything more in my life than doing these. I had a four-part series with Joe Hall, and real quickly I'll say this. As I've been on the Joe for several months, and he just didn't really want to do it. And finally, I said, just give me 20 minutes. And he said, okay, come over to my house at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I brought my producer with me, showed up at a little bit before 10. He was still in his pajamas. He had a cold. <laughs> he was whizzing, uh, sniffling. And I turned to my producer, uh, Bo Ross, and I said, Bo, we get 20 minutes, I'll be satisfied. We started exactly 10 o'clock. We did not take a break. And at eight minutes after two, we finished it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Four hours. And when we left her, I said, Bo, don't even think about editing this. You're going to break it up in four one-hour segments, and we're running four segments. Wow. Wow. And, and when, you, when you listen to it, it is gold and nothing left. And I, he was very, very opinionated. I mean, he gave some real opinions on other coaches and things, which I didn't really expect him to do, but he was very, very open. Jim Host, I, I did a thing with him that if you want to know about controversial things uh, over the years at UK sports, listen to that one. He talks about the time that Kentucky almost went to the ACC and why they didn't and how Florida State was going to be the school that was going to jump in to the SEC in 92 when wow. Arkansas and South Carolina come in. He talks about he was sitting at this meeting 
with uh, the SEC commissioner at the time and uh, the Florida State president and AD. And he said they were ready to come and said the Florida State president said, well, now, uh, Jim, uh, we, need to, we need to bring Coach in here. We need to meet Coach Bowden and let him know what we're doing. So they brought him in, sat him down, they told him. that he looked at up, up at him and said, fellas, I don't have any problem winning the championship in the ACC. But we ain't going to win it in the SEC every year. <laughs> and said so that was the end of it. They called up South Carolina the next day, and they took their place. Wow. I know you're tied to, to Duke. At that time when Kentucky was going, considered going to the ACC, you had to have two teams in the ACC to sponsor you, nominate for inclusion. Mm-hmm. The two people who had called UK, C.M. Newton, and offered to sponsor Kentucky was Tom Butter and John Swafford. Yep. You know the schools that they were 80s at. Yes, I do. <laughs> Duke and Carolina. Yes. Yep. Wow. Wow. Oscar, can we have you back again? I'd love yeah, to, soon. I, as soon as we can, because I, I just do. love listening to these stories. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Just give me a call, and we'll get together. All, All right. right. By the way, one more thing on Joe Hall. Uh, did he mention anything about that towel stretching all the way to Knoxville? When you... <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember where I brought that up or not. <laughs> what it was, when we, I had a list of probably 15 or 20 things I wanted to talk about. And then when he got, I mean, I, I figured he was going to say yes, no, well, maybe so. And then I just go to the next question. Well, he just took off and ran. Yeah. I mean, when when I got through, I still had 18 questions. <laughs> you know. But everything he was doing that was so enjoyable, I like, fellas, if I go in here and try to stop him and change stuff, I'll be I'll be laughed at by people listening to me because this is just gold right now. Wow. I, I, had, I had to give a one-liner on different players, different coaches, different media people. Uh, Bob Knight, now, the great line on Bob Knight was, you know, Bob and I were the best of friends. Uh, Bob, uh, we went fishing together. We went hunting together. You know, he was great as long as we were alone. But when somebody else would join in the conversation, then he would go bananas. And he was nothing but a bully. Wow. Just well, a bully. And then I went through, like, Hugh Durham and the two or three of them, and then I said, Digger Phelps, and he said, Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar, yeah. we got to take a break, but yeah. you have been wonderful. This has been-